Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM640. John and Ken Show. John Cobell and Ken Shampoo, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We're on the radio 1 till 4 after 4 o'clock. John and Ken On Demand, the podcast. Right now we have an opportunity to talk to David Rolston. He is the father of one of the victims uh, in Malibu on Pacific Coast Highway who was run down by a man who was uh, speeding along that section of Pacific Coast Highway, a place that uh, people have called very dangerous for so many years. There's been constant reports and recommendations about how to make that section of Pacific Coast Highway safer. Uh, David is the father of one of the four women that was killed, students at Pepperdine University. Her name is Neve Ralston. So let's bring David on and uh, have a chance to talk to him about this. David, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. First, tell us about your daughter, Neve. Um, my daughter, uh, we live here in Los Angeles. Um, she grew up here, was born in, uh, in Cedar sinai So she was a uh, Los Angeles girl. Uh, went to uh, many fine institutions here um, in, the, in the area. She went to high school at uh, um, uh, Oaks Christian High School. And... Um, yeah, she uh, really was excited to to be a Pepperdine student. Uh, was about to graduate. She was in her her senior year. Um, as far as you know, the type of person that she was. Uh, a couple things I I think I'd like to say about her. Um, she uh, was a gymnast for about eight years of her life, and um, 
if you know anything about gymnasts, they're some of the most uh, disciplined uh, athletes that you can find. Uh, she used to do about 20 hours a week of training, and it was uh, very intensive physical uh, training. She also uh, continued to carry on uh, with uh, kind of a lifelong interest in nutrition and um, you know, uh, kept herself fit. She was very careful about what she ate. And uh, she actually taught us uh, quite a bit about uh, nutrition. I think she was one of the first people that we, uh, that I ever heard of intermittent fasting. She was doing intermittent fasting back when she was a 17 or 18 year old. And uh, she used to get mad at us if we uh, didn't have dinner within her window of uh, eight hours in in which she ate. So um, she, that's basically the, the type of girl she was. She was smart, she was driven. Uh, she had graduated high school at 17, and so she was a, a year early compared to, to most of the people that go to college. And um, we we got a lot of letters from people uh, at, since this has happened. And uh, I guess I would just uh, – we were going over some of them this weekend, uh, my wife and I. And there was one that uh, we had – my wife had brought to my attention. And this young woman said uh, – uh, she'd written, uh, I did not know her closely, but we were friends and saw each other often at social gatherings. Uh, she always made me feel so welcomed. If I was standing alone, she would include me. Uh, this this is kind of our daughter. She wanted people to feel happy. She wanted them to feel included and cared about. And um, that was something we were very proud of with her. Um, she was a, a beautiful girl, and she just had a lot of friends and people that loved her. Did she ever talk about the dangers of that stretch of Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu in terms of being the student there and you know going and moving around? No, I don't. I don't think she thought of things that way, and she certainly loved uh, being there. Now she did live on campus with the other uh, uh, out of the four that were killed. Uh, three of them, including my daughter, were roommates. The other uh, young woman lived off campus. Um, but they lived on campus. Um, they, uh, my daughter loved to go to the beach. She often went and, uh, and swam and, uh, along with uh, a lot of her, her friends and, and, uh, women that she was in the sorority with. Um, so I think in general, people in, in Malibu, uh, are blissfully ignorant of just how dangerous that place can be. Sounds like you're not though. Uh, not anymore. Unfortunately, Uh, now we're much more uh, that this is what happens when something like this happens to your kid uh, is you then end up often meeting other people who uh, may have uh, been killed in a similar circumstance. And that's very much what's happened to to our family and and to um, the families of, of these other three girls that were all sorority sisters with, with my daughter. What do you think uh, of the uh, legal case so far, uh, the murder charges against Fraser Baum? Um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I, I feel like we're um, somewhat on the outside of this. I think people kind of need to understand if they don't, that the case is, is being brought by the state. We're not, you know, we're not, uh, well, I guess we would be at, at best, um, you know, possibly people that would 
be brought in to testify about certain things, but it's not like the state is representing us. We don't have, um, you know, any kind of special knowledge about things that, that have happened there or what the, the facts of the case are. Um, I will say I was, my wife and I were the only people that were there on site the morning following the, the, the accident or, you know, I, 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 I don't even want to call it an accident. I, I don't feel like it was an accident at all, but uh, at any rate, the, the incident, we were there on site and, um, and, they uh, had closed down that stretch of PCH for over 14 hours. So my conclusion is that the people that work in law enforcement who have to go out in these type of cases and see what they saw, um, they took this very seriously from the, from the start of it. They closed the thing down. They investigated this thoroughly and uh, continued to do that in the weeks following. And um, I think anyone who's, um, family member might be killed in some circumstance like this would want to feel like this is the way the case was, was, um, it was handled by law enforcement. And, um, so anything that's come out since then, I, I fully am confident that they have done all their due diligence and, and investigated this appropriately. Are you confident that they'll make any changes with the actual highway, Pacific Coast Highway, to that dangerous stretch? Do you think anything will come? I mean, four young women killed. Do you think that would move the needle? Yeah. Um, no, I'm glad you brought that up because at this point, um, that's that's what you, you know, one of the things that we found out. Um, I believe you guys have uh, talk to Michelle Shane. Uh, I'm not sure if yeah. that's true or not. But no, uh, no, it's oh, yes. yeah. he's, yeah, uh, he's uh, a good friend of, he's of a mine. Great, yeah, great guy. Yeah, yeah, and and we, uh, you know, this is what happens in this circumstance. Now we have uh, met the Shanes, and I got to tell you, there is nothing worse than finding out that this man's uh, beautiful child, who is a lot like my daughter in the way she was and what people and her friends said about her, that she was killed 13 years ago. And this man took that tragedy and worked diligently to try and make some changes down there and to find out that literally almost none of the changes that uh, were part of this 2015 report, uh, 100 pages or more that was done, and I believe, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, be wrong about the facts, but there's something like 130 recommendations, all but a, a, a very small few of them were never implemented. And uh, he put he brought up uh, a great uh, thing. One of the interviews I saw uh, where he said something along the lines of, um, you know, it took Caltrans four years to put up signs, no parking signs at this very um, dangerous stretch where uh, any parking narrows the road and makes it extremely unsafe for pedestrians and r residents. And it took them four years to put up some signs. So what does that say? And of course, I think, you know, my wife and I think, and can't help but think, well, geez, if you'd done three or four other things, would I now be talking to you guys about the fact that my child was killed there? Um, something makes me seriously question whether that would be the case. Um, you know, uh, I, I think 
uh, a lot of people um, probably look at this type of thing and don't really think about Malibu and, you know, that, that this is like a personal thing for them. But before this, um, you know, we haven't lived in Los Angeles uh, for many, many years now, uh, probably 25 years, uh, um, that you should be able to, to uh, well, I, I would say that, you know, we all consider Malibu like a crown jewel of Los Angeles. Um, and I think people probably have sent uh, family and friends down there to, to go to the beach to see it or even just take a drive down PCH. And I think uh, that's something that um, we should all expect you should be able to do uh, with in relative safety. But then you find out that um, the statistics there are, are very bad. It's basically, uh, you know, uh, the average speed, even though the it's supposed to be 45 miles per hour, the average speed is about 60 plus miles per hour through a beach city. Yeah, it's just it's just insane, and because it has a uh, the name PCH and there's a highway on there uh, since uh, you know what back in the 70s that it's okay to just continue on this way, and uh, it, it's it clearly isn't. I mean, I think since 2010, you've had 58 people killed in this on this stretch of highway, uh, you know, which doesn't even begin to to uh, you know, uh, to look at the hundreds of other people and the hundreds of accidents that have occurred and people that have been uh, injured. I mean, this is just the people that were flat out killed. In, All right, in David, we, 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 do, we do have to go, but uh, we appreciate yeah. you talking to us. Our condolences again uh, for the loss of your daughter, Neve. We appreciate you talking to yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. I, 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 if I could, I just wanted to say that if people are interested in this at all, there is an organization, streetsaresafeforeveryone.org. Please go there, look at it. Also, uh, Michelle Shane's film, 23milesinmalibu.com. There's some things you could do if you if this is something important to you and you want to get involved. All right, David Ralston, thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Uh, he's the father of one of the women that was killed on Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu last month, Neve Ralston. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. John and Ken Show. Ooh. John Cobelt and Ken Shampo. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app on the radio from 1 until 4 after 4 o'clock. You go to the iHeart app for the podcast, John and Ken On Demand, and you can hear what you missed. We are going to talk now with uh, David Canepa. Uh, he is, I think I'm pronouncing that right, a Democratic County Supervisor uh, from San Mateo. And he has become uh, one mm. of the first Democrats to uh, come out against... Prop 47, which, which is... he did support in 2014. That was the year Prop 47 was passed. And, of course, it made retail thefts under $950 a misdemeanor instead of a felony. It also did damage in the area of drug use, too, taking away a weapon that you could use to get people into rehab. But by reducing many drug counts to misdemeanors, that also takes away that uh, needed uh, hedge you have. You know, a good uh, share of the blame for all the uh, drug addicts dying in the streets and uh, the thefts, the shoplifting, the smash and grabs lead back to Prop 47, which we were flat out lied to. It by was co-written by then San Francisco DA George Gascon. Well, let's get uh, David Canepa on. And uh, talk to him about this. David. I wish I had a back to the future machine. I 
I did not foresee this um, happening the way it did. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's astonishing. You know, um, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat. Um, one of the things that we thought when this first came out was that, you know, when it came to lower level offenders, that rather than incarcerating them and putting them in a prison, you know, there were, maybe there's, you know, there's a way in which they could, you know, they can go to alternative programs. Uh, but what's happened now is just it's out of control. Enough is enough. We have shopping malls, shopping centers. People have really sort of made it their, um, you know, their mission, their charge to go into these places and really just ransack these places, take the, the goods, take all the wares. And what do they end up doing? They end up selling it online. Some of it may go to, to swap meets. I think we as Democrats really have to really reassess kind of where we're at and really understand clearly, clearly that what the intention of Prop 47 was seven years ago, it's not working. We need to acknowledge that it's not working and we need to fix um, this, this problem. And um, that, is, um, that is critical. Not, not all things work. Um, not all the ideas work, but we need to, as a party, acknowledge um, that we need to go in a different direction. And I, I think uh, that is my hope in making sure that we're really able to um, rescind um, this broken policy. Do you have uh, a significant number of other converts in your party? Well, right now, I don't think so. Um, but I do think um, after we uh, made this announcement, there are other supervisors in, Bay, in the Bay Area um, that are willing to, to, to kind of take this on. And we're, we're, they're willing to take it on is because just like whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Green, whatever party you are, we can see in the news nationwide through the state, throughout the state of California, throughout the Bay Area, that this is a problem and it needs to be fixed. And so we have to get some adults in the room. We have to figure this out. We got to maybe look at bipartisanship, right? And figuring out where we're going to land. And so what we're going to do is to make sure that our elected officials, especially at the state level, they look at how they can fix this problem whether it's um, classifying it um, as a felony, whether it's looking at lowering the threshold from 950 to $400, we can't continue to go on like this. It's not working. It's affecting people's lives. We have a responsibility to take care of the collective good. And the issue is, is that there are people out there that are taking advantage of this law to benefit themselves by taking tens of thousands of dollars in my district in San Mateo County, raiding a Lego store, which when you think about it, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And, 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 you know, the bottom line is they're not raiding the Lego store to build a castle. They're profiting. <laughs> they're profiting to the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars in an organized ring. And so we can't make this a Democrat, Republican issue. 
This is to me now a quality of life issue. And so that's what we got to focus on. Um, I'm telling you, you know, when I talk to people in my district, when I talk to people in San Francisco, when I talk to others, people are fed up. They're asking for help. And so we're going to try to, we're going to try to help create a task force. That's great. But we're really going to work with our state legislators to, to, to overturn this. And I think I'm confident that you're going to see more Democrats jump on board and, um, you know, just, you know, just try to, we got, we got to make our community safe. That's a big charge as elected officials. So what are we doing to make our communities safer? And that's not a, partisan issue that's just a life issue right now have you spoken to your assembly and state senate members there in your county to see what they can do in sacramento so we're we're doing a big push so um i have some meetings set up um uh next week we're also codifying um a letter um that we're going to send out we're fortunate we have um assembly members and senators five of them but i and others we're not letting up on this issue and as, you know, as Tip O'Neill once said, all politics is local, right? And so we're going to try to, we're going to try to push this. And I'm not, and others, we're not giving up on this. And it's, it's got to happen and it's got to happen soon. If we do nothing, we continue, we continue to be in this spiral of going downward. And if you notice, if you notice, there aren't people there aren't people who are against, there may be some, but there are uh, not many who are against what I'm proposing. They understand that it's common sense to make sure that when they shop or when they're out, that their family or families and friends, and I have a, I have a fish, that they're safe. But what we're doing now is not working. And sometimes when you make mistakes policy-wise, my experience is, you got to acknowledge it. And once we acknowledge that there was a mistake done, we can move forward to change that mistake. Uh, it, it has been extremely rare for anybody in politics to come on and say what you've just said over the last few minutes. I can't remember the last time that's Not happened. a Democrat, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm, I'm set up. I'm se- I'm, I'll be honest I with you. I mean, you were a supporter. What did, what did you think Prop 47 was going to do when you supported it in 2014? Look, what I thought what I thought it was going to do, right? Good question. I thought, look, you know, you have folks who, you know, are on the fringe. Hey, you know, they've committed these crimes, but hey, we can give them second chances and we can give them third chances. But here's the problem. The problem I've learned through empathy and compassion and the problem is there are people who take advantage of the law. So when you go into a Nordstrom's, right? You, you, take, you take everything, right? You steal everything. The security guard looks at you and can't do anything, gives you a little wave, have a good day, sir, right? And then they're able to go out with no sort of consequence, right? It's, mm. you know, the police in some cities, right? They can't chase them, right? Because it's not a violent crime. Um, so there's all sorts of things while people are getting robbed blindly. And what we always forget employees how about the how about the employee who's probably not making the greatest wage 
What do they do when they're Walgreens or their Nordstrom's or their, you know, small to medium sized business close because of all these losses? Now they're on the street, not because of their productivity at work, but they're on the street because the businesses say, we don't want to do business because there are no profits. The one thing, one thing that sort of kind of, you know, upset me as well is when I go to a Safeway, why do I have to press a bell to get my toothpaste? <laughs> that's not normal. Yeah. That's, that's not normal. That's not yes. normal. <laughs> no, I, not I, normal. I, I hate that. I turn around and I walk out when I run into one of those. I'm not going to stand I, because they never come with the toothpaste or with the key to open the toothpaste, uh, 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 the toothpaste shelf there. I, it, it is unbearable. It's absolutely unbearable living like this. And it's the only thing everyone is talking about all day. Well, we're going to be watching you and see what you're doing there, David. Thanks for talking to us and uh, keep our producer up to date with what you're trying to pull there in your county. And if you need our help, just uh, let us know, all right? We're not going to give up. I'm not our office and others. We're not giving up on this issue. We're going to make sure that we get something done or push the legislators to do it. Enough is enough. All right. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. All, all right. right. That is uh, David Canepa, a San Mateo County Supervisor. That's the Bay Area. That's a Democrat. He's had it with Prop 47 and all the shoplifting. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. Johnny Ken Show continues. John Cobelt and Ken Shampoo, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Apparently, a Ukrainian sniper took out a Russian soldier from nearly two and a half miles away. Yeah, cool. How do you even... <laughs> what's the scope? How do you even get... A, a bead on, on, <laughs> on this person that you're shooting at. Uh, it's a high-tech rifle. Uh, the translation into English is Horizons Lord. And yes, there are record keepers for this kind of stuff. Uh, he used the Ukraine-made, it's called a Volodar Obryu rifle, which, as I mentioned, translates to Horizons Lord. And it was 3,800 meters or 2.3 miles away. That's more than 40 U.S. football fields to give you an idea of the distance. The Security Service of Ukraine noted the record achievement in a statement crowing, a new world record, a sniper of the SBU destroyed a Russian soldier from a distance of 3.8 kilometers. Destroyed a Russian soldier. <laughs> like, are there other war record-keeping <laughs> statistics? That is a rough neighborhood between the Russians and Ukrainians. I know. Wow. <laughs> He took aim at this Russian soldier from this incredible distance. Uh, SBU snipers are changing the rules of world sniping, demonstrating the ability to work effectively at fantastic distances, according to uh, this statement. Uh, the previous record was believed to be held by a Canadian soldier who hit a target from a distance of 2.2 miles in Iraq that must have in the year 2017. That must have freaked out the, the guy standing next to him. Because you look around, right? You see your 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 comrade go down there. Oh yeah, you know, with a, with a bullet in his head, and now you're looking around like, who did that? Because I imagine he was standing and maybe just on patrol. The soldier that he could, a, get, could kill. I don't think he'd be lying at a trench, you know. Get hit. I, there was a lot of open space. I mean, to, to shoot from two miles away, you need a you obviously need a clear shot. So right. I think I think if I remember the photo right. Well, it says here, grainy footage of the reported record-setting shot yet to be verified has been shared across channels. Two figures can be seen in the footage. 
And after three shots are fired, the two figures drop to the ground before starting to crawl away. It's unclear when or where the shot was made, though. Oh. Yeah, so they must have had some kind of telescopic lens. Yeah, to see get, it, right? some ideas to, yeah. to aim. And, right. uh, you know, he got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the enemy soldier dropped after being struck by the round, fired from 30 football fields away. Uh, the shot marks a distance that now ranks second in the world ranking, uh, confirmed by the command of the armed forces in Ukraine. So that's uh, that's quite a feat. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? And, and it freaks all the other Russians fighting in that area out now because they don't know if that sharpshooter is lurking within two miles. Of them. Yeah. And I, that every time they their, their head is poked up, uh, that <laughs> this guy could take it off. Yeah. I mean, you might think you're safe because you've got, you know, other soldiers and tanks in front of you. But uh, and I realize that's a, a kind of a low tech way to take out the enemy, a sniper one at a time. But uh, you're right; it probably sends terror. Yeah, no, yeah, it's the, the soldiers. It's, it's the terror. Minds. Yeah, it completely demoralizes because now they all must walk around constantly looking looking over your shoulder. You can't look over your shoulder and see a bullet coming from two miles away. Right. You know, it's one thing is if you're doing uh, combat and you look up uh, on the roofs and see the sharpshooters, right? And you look for movement on the roofs, and then you can take cover. You can't do this here. Now, I had heard that the Ukraine was going to use this tactic, that they had quite a number of sharpshooters in their military, and that this was another way. Because, you know, when you're clearly outmanned, and uh, out, obviously the Russian army has many weapons at its disposal, the, the, uh, yeah. the Ukrainians had to come up with all possible ideas. And I had heard, just when the war was beginning, that one of their ideas was to use snipers to good effect, particularly to get like the leaders of the Russian troops to try to take out, you know, some of the commanders, which really also sends a chill through the enemy. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the video again and it's all wide open space and it looks like they're walking, uh, the victims, the victim is walking just inside a ridge across the way and you can see right. him suddenly go down. And then the other two guys he's with suddenly drop as well to start to crawl away because they don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, and this, was, has become uh, the, this has become the forgotten war with now Israel against Hamas. I see a story today. More than 10,000 civilians have been killed in Ukraine in this war so far. It's been at a stalemate for most of the year. It has. It's, right. they're, not, they're not pushing the Russians back uh, anymore, and the Russians are not getting, gaining any more ground. So how long are they going to do this and spend the money and feed their young men into the grinding machine a lot of ukrainian guys are getting out of the country cuz they don't want to they don't want to get a draft notice I, yeah i, I see mean, one story here families of russian troops protest ukraine war but they'll probably be dragged away yeah i just uh, but remember the iran iraq war a uh, long time ago it went on for 8 years and it was a stalemate it was a stalemate but, but yes, they just I do remember did, that. because the leaders don't care if all their young men get killed, it doesn't matter to them. All these leaders are sociopaths. They had, they, you know, doesn't bother their conscience. They don't feel regret. You know, it's just the way you got to do business. Yeah. And so they, they, they don't get it. You know, they're spending everybody else's money anyway. So taxpayers keep paying for the war and uh, they, 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 they keep uh, giving up their, their young, their young sons to be uh, shot to death or bombed or whatever. And I see another headline here that Russia will not coexist with the current Ukrainian regime. And uh, they will resist the strength of the NATO military alliance 
they will See, not they'll not put up with the with the Zelensky and his crew in charge. We've given them tens of billions of dollars, but it was only enough for a stalemate. The only way for Ukraine to win is we've got to dramatically increase the money we're giving them. Right. And we're already, uh, you know, trillions in debt. So, you know, there's no good answer here. When you, ha when you have a, a murderous, homicidal maniac, genocidal maniac like Putin, these guys uh, get the run of the place. Look how, how long Hitler, look how many people uh, Stalin killed in Russia. It was like 20 million people. All right. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. John and Ken show continues. John Cobell and Ken Shampo. It's KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, just looking at uh, a funny story. <laughs> of course, people are, are flying for the holidays coming. The TSA wants to make sure you understand that in your carry-ons, you cannot have gravy. You can't have wine and you can't have uh, cranberry sauce. You see, because these are still considered like oh, liquids. they're all liquids, yeah. Some people, I guess, you know, because it's the holidays, they want to be gravy to grandma's house. I, or gravy to I saw a woman who was stopped in line ahead of me, which of course yeah. clogged up the line because hmm. she was uh, bringing some kind of uh, jars of some kind of red sauce to her daughter, and she was very excited. She bought these jars special. This is the TSA checkpoint. Yes. Yes, this oh, is Oh, no. Yes, uh, uh, you know, as the bags passed through, mm. her bag was flagged. It was put on a separate conveyor, but I was stuck behind her. And, uh, you know, she they said, well, you, you, you can't have this. You can only have three ounces. And right. she, she says, well, what do I do? And they said, well, you can take this back to your car if you want. <laughs> or find a way to put in check baggage, right? You can. Right. Yes, you could do that. And uh, she turns to carry on into a check bag, I guess. And, and, and you know, she just, and she went into a long story about how she bought the sauce for her daughter. And it's a surprise. And she's looking forward to it. It's like, lady, would you stop it? Well, yeah. Remember, remember years ago, and we did we did this story. I think on more than one occasion, you had people that were like diabetic and they had their applesauce with them, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let them. Oh get yeah, on the no. Plane TSA wants because to... they had to eat the applesauce on the plane to keep them, you know, their blood sugar. But they wouldn't let them through with their applesauce or no. I don't know some concoction. Right, <laughs> because diabetics with applesauce, they're the most likely terrorists. Right, <laughs> applesauce can be deadly. It could explode if it's mixed with but, the right components. Uh, yeah, com combination of stupid government. And ignorant people. All right. Well, we do have a warning uh, from a different uh, government outfit. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention wants you to know, uh, put down that peach. How about that nectarine? How about that plum? John, you always have these in your hands. It's really a distraction that you're eating all these fruits. and I hate all these foods. Oh, I, I know. Have you ever eaten a peach? I have eaten everything once. And... Oh. Uh, Right, that's so, a revelation. So I could, uh, for one reason, so when I say I don't like something, somebody goes, well, you probably never tried it. Yeah, it's like, no, I say. did, and I spit it out. Thanks. Yeah, that's, Thanks that's, for asking. No, no. Uh, yeah, there's been a listeria outbreak. Well, that's Linked bad. to peaches, nectarines, and plums, 10 hospitalizations, and one death. And it's a California farm called HMC Farms. They voluntarily recalled the fruit sold between May 1st and November 15th of last year. Would you still have that around? And May 1st and November 15th of this year. Well, last year's fruit is... <laughs> I know. What, that, what, what good is that recall going to do? It's probably pretty rotten by now. <laughs> that was Unless just... people freeze it, maybe? Could be that some know. people Ooh. buy fruit and freeze it. and. Who has you know? a... 
Who because of it? inflation, they want to buy everything now and freeze it because it's going to cost well, more. It's a freezer full of frozen plums. Plums. Uh, the recall says it doesn't include peaches, plums, and nectarines currently being sold in stores. Mm-hmm. So, because that would be, I guess, fresher. Well, stuff that's I think what's happened has happened then. I mean, this stuff doesn't last very long, so. Uh, listeria symptoms include muscle aches, fever, tiredness. It could be two weeks after you consume the contaminated food. It would help if they found this out the week uh, that people were buying these fruits. Right. And eating the fruits. But, you know, to tell us a year and a half later, I, that doesn't really do any good. Now, how does the listeria get on the fruit? This isn't from the farm picking again, is it? Or is it from some other uh, some other source in the chain there? Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to have to look that up. Usually uh, it's fecal matter, right? Every time there's a food. Well, yeah, that's usually E. coli, isn't it? Uh, yeah, there's other things, though. One of the people was a pregnant woman who went into preterm labor. Uh, a spokesperson said their hearts oh, go out to everyone. Listeria bacteria can be found in soil, water, and animal feces. Oh, it could be animal poop. Contaminated manure used as fertilizer. Oh. There you go. Because it's they, a bacteria. And they think a lot more people may have been infected because some people just recover without medical care. They don't even know that they had the listeria infection. It's found in moist environments. Mm. They found it on our moist line for a while. People were getting listeria, just calling in. Is this one of these things, though, where if you wash and wash the fruit, you might have a chance of getting rid of the uh, You know, just don't, don't eat fruit. So. All right, Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM640. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.